Welcome to the Millennial Minister Podcast. My name is Jacob Peterson. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a follow-up podcast to the one I released last week on how we should respond to moral failures. Today, I want to share a word with you to encourage you on how we can prevent moral failures in our own life. I'm excited about sharing this with you. As always, please like, subscribe, share this on your Instagram. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to the Millennial Minister Podcast. Uh, I'm excited about today's content that we're going to be jumping in on. Uh, I also want to celebrate a huge milestone for the podcast, and that is that we just crossed over a thousand plays. So thank you so much for your support. Every time you've shared this, uh, you've liked, you've subscribed it. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I truly believe we're in an amazing time in history where our generation, are we are becoming the future leaders. We're no longer just the future leaders. We're the present leaders. So we're stepping into places of leadership. And really, we are the future of the church. We're the future of carrying out the Great Commission. So my prayer is that through this podcast, we as a generation are developed and equipped into who God has called us to be. And today... I'm really excited about sharing this with you because I have a follow-up to last week's podcast. If you have yet to listen to it, you can go back and listen to it where I discussed uh, a really hard topic for me. It's actually been something I've been walking through the past couple of weeks, but the topic on how we should respond to moral failures. Um, I shared in the podcast that there was a ministry who I, who I followed and who I've uh, have deeply honored uh, who had a moral failure. He posted about it on Instagram. Uh, and so uh, really uh, in detail of the process he's walking through and what that looks like for him. Uh, but as if, as if with every time this has happened, it uh, hit me deep. You know, whenever there's a minister who I receive from their minister ministry and um, something like this happens, it hits deep. We've all been there. We all know that feeling where it's a gut punch. Um, and it's like, man, I can't believe it. Um, it's hard, you know, it, it's hard to walk through that. I can imagine what some of the, even people who are closer to them have to walk through. And it really, uh, brings a fresh level of the fear of the Lord in my life. Um, you know, as, as a minister, uh, to say, Lord, if there are any blind spots in my life, reveal them to me. Holy Spirit, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Um, you know, that's that is something that every time I walk away from this with a fresh hunger and a desire to be the real deal. And today I want to come with a follow-up to that of how we can protect ourselves from a moral failure, how we can protect ourselves from um, having to walk through that. Because um, even though we've seen this happen time and time again, I do not believe that that is, it, it has to be our end story, that we can finish this race with endurance, that we can finish strong. And I think that's what stick out sticks out to everyone. Whenever you hear somebody talk about Billy Graham, you hear them talk about the fact that Billy Graham ran his race with integrity and with character. And um, I'm sure there were opportunities and more than enough temptations for him to give into. But 
we see an example of someone who made it. And we're surrounded with people, uh, ministers and leaders in our life who've ran the race with integrity and with character and who finished. And they're able to stand before Christ with a boldness, knowing that they represented uh, Christ in everything that they did. So as I've been, you know, I felt the Lord, you know, I thought I was going to do just one last week, but I felt the Lord to say, you know, you stay on this. Let's stay in this vein uh, of talking about this because it's so important for us as ministers and for us as leaders. So, and let me just preface it right now. Uh, even if you're not in ministry, a lot of people who listen to this podcast aren't even in quote unquote full-time ministry. But can I tell you, church, if Everyone who says that they're a Christian, everyone who has publicly announced that they are followers of Christ, guess what? You now carry influence. You now have people watching you. You now have people. Guess what? There are even skeptical people. There are people who do not wish the best for you. There are people who are watching you saying, I'm, you know, I'm only given in a matter of time. I'm only given a matter of time before this happens. This happens. And listen, I, number one, I don't, who cares what people say, but there are people who are watching us and they want to see Christ in us. They want to see people who are the real deal in every area of our life. So whether you are uh, in ministry or you're not in ministry, we all carry influence. And we've got to understand that none of us are immune to the attack of the enemy. And the enemy desires nothing more than to destroy us. And when he does, he wants to inflict as much damage as possible. So he's not just wanting us to slip up. He's wanting us to slip up and he's wanting to make it public. So get that. There is a The enemy comes in with strategy. Paul says, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. So there is a strategy we've got to understand. You know, sin is very interesting because sin is one of those things that the enemy will promise it to you in secret, but will do everything he can to make it go public. Get that. Sin, Satan, will, will promise you pleasure in secret, but will do whatever he can to make your fall go public. It's kind of that thing to say, I'm I'm not going to tell anybody. No one's going to know. But then as soon as you do it, he's going to do everything he can to make it known. Those things that are hidden will come to light. So we've got to understand Satan not only wants to destroy us, he's wanting to inflict as much damage as possible. And, you know, even Romans 2.24, it even talks about uh, giving the enemies of God reason to blaspheme it. Uh, You know, people who are waiting, unbelievers, to say, well, I told you all Christians are fake. I I told you all Christians care about his money. I I told you that this isn't real. They're looking for that I told you moment. But when we truly live lives worthy of the gospel and we truly live lives representing Christ, it will have the opposite effect. And they say, hey, whatever this person has, I want it. Whatever they have in their life that I don't have, I want to walk in. So I want to share with you a quick thought concerning this that, um, you know, I, I was pondering on this. I had one of those moments where I just, I, I just sat and thought about it and I sat and I, I, I just, man, I, with a heavy heart, just thought about the gravity of this situation of this minister who had a moral failure. And, you know, I started looking around my own life and I looked around at my family I have an amazing wife. 
man, I'm so thankful for Lexi Peterson. (laughs) I have an amazing wife who loves me, who I trust with all of my heart. And she trusts me, which is a big deal. When, when, because why relationships are built on the foundation of trust and to have, to have that, that peaceful marriage to where you don't have to worry about your spouse, that spouse, that's a big deal. Um, and number two, I looked at my kids. I looked at Reese, who's six, Piper, who's four, Olive, who's just a sweet little baby and, um, a sweet little, little one. And, um, I looked at my family and then I looked at my life. I looked at my, you know, I have the privilege and honor of being a part of an amazing church here in Tampa called Radiant Church. I'm planning the fifth location in January, January 24th. Hashtag, if you want to be a part of the launch team, hit me up. Um, I'm, I'm a part of a, a work move of God. I'm, I, I, God's given me vision for my life. I, I'm having a passion to reach people for Him. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all this. Man, my life is so amazing. But then I, I begin to think about, Wow, it with one mistake, I could ruin all of this. With one action, I could lose this all. Reese and I th- I, I begin to have thoughts of like, man, just one mistake, and I'm gonna have I would have to share custody with my kids on the weekends. And the pain that would put them through. And the turmoil and and the heartache that would put them through because of one mistake or having to step down from ministry, having to stand before uh, leaders and pastors and those that I love and say, I dropped it and having to resign and people who I have influence with know that their heart is now broken because I let them down. I begin to think through that and I begin to think, how does it happen? How, you know, how could uh, somebody just fall and mess this up? And I felt Holy Spirit begin to reveal something to me that, you know, Satan with his strategy, Satan is very patient. Okay. Satan is very patient. He will sow a seed. He'll sow a seed, a thought, a desire that he will not harvest until 10 or 15 years later. Think about that. He will plant something in your heart or in your mind, something that you refuse to allow the Holy Spirit to work out in, a bitterness and anger and offense, a love for money or anything, a, a, a lustful thought that you do not allow the Holy Spirit to work out on. Satan is more than patient to leave it there and let it grow and let it grow until 15, 20 years later, Satan comes knocking at the door. What, 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 what did the scripture say with Cain and Abel? Cain was, didn't bring the proper sacrifice. God calls him out on it. And this is the word God gave Cain. Sin is lying at your door and its, devi- its desire is for you, but you must master it. Sin is at the door of our lives, church. Think about that. Sin is at the door, but we must understand that if we are the ones who open up the door to it, if there's if Satan has sown a seed, he will wait and wait and wait. As Scripture talks about, he even with Jesus, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Satan will wait for an opportune time to say, "Hey, now is the time. I've allowed that lustful thought 
to grow and to grow and to grow. And I'm going to put a demand on it now. So we've got to, we cannot be ignorant of Satan's devices. We have to be guarded. We have to be protected. And uh, as I was pondering on this, I came across um, uh, somebody I follow on Instagram named Gabriel Finocchio, um, who I'm, I, you know, I'm familiar somewhat with his ministry. I, I know he, him and his brother, Nathan have a, uh, uh, seminary called Theos U, really cool stuff. And they post some very interesting stuff at some times, but he's posted something from his senior year of Bible college that he keeps on his refrigerator by, I believe his professor Dick Iverson called why leaders fail. And man, I'm telling you, I read this and it exploded in me. And that's when I said, I've got to put this on the podcast and listen to how he starts this. And there's 19 things I'm going to read them through. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down or I'm going to post these on my Instagram later uh, after I release this episode Um, and listen to how he starts it. The seeds of failure often take a long time before the harvest. Boom. And when I read that, my heart just leaped because I was like, Lord, you just were speaking to me about that. Listen to this. He says, the seeds of failure often take a long time before the harvest. This session is designed to recognize seeds of failure and then by God's grace and personal discipline, remove them before they remove the leader. Remove them before they remove the leader. This is a word for someone right now. Church, guys, let's remove these seeds before they remove us. I pray you hear the, the urgency in my voice right now. And I say this with tears right now. We've got to remove this stuff in us before it takes us out. Think about that. Let us not be, you know, 10, 20 years from now, let us not be the ones who have to stand up and, and make a post on Instagram or meet with our board and tell them that we've had a moral failure. And he quotes Proverbs 26, 2 after this, the curse causeless shall not come. What does that mean? No one just falls. No one just has a moral failure. No, no, no. It's a seed that has been planted that didn't that 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 someone failed to uproot. So here, listen to these 19 things. Number one, undisciplined lifestyle. Number two, the lack of desire to schedule your time. Number three, no interest to improve management and administrative skills. Number four, foolish and unwise counseling. Number five, foolish and unwise business practices. Number six, mishandling funds of the church. Number seven, not pastoring your own home well. Priorities are out of order. Number eight, unwilling to receive counsel, not answerable to anyone, not working as a team. Number nine, tendency to pick up every new revelation, quote unquote, new revelation, giving to doctrinal extremes. Number 10, not fully developing communication skills, poor teacher, poor preacher. Number 11, failing to go on in God prayer, fasting, studying, learning. Number 12, not willing to be involved in confrontation. Number 13, moving in the realm of presumption, not faith. Number 14, more interest in the ministry, quote unquote ministry and quote unquote theology than the people, deifying the ministry. Wow. 15, being a workaholic and not a good steward of your body. Number 16, carrying resentment and bitterness, having an unforgiving spirit. Wow. 17, not really called to what you're doing, senior pastor, teacher, etc. 18, allowing prolonged discouragement to eat away at your confidence. Number 19, immoral involvements, lacking the fear of God. 
I read those and I instantly was like, wow, those things. And I feel like that's what we've got to do is we've got to get detailed. We have got to get detailed in our life. I think it's easy to look at the big outwards and be like, you know what? I'm not getting smashed on the weekends. You know, I'm not like uh, in a secret relationship behind my spouse's back. I'm not looking at pornography. I'm not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not doing the big things. When in reality, the big things is just a product of the consistent doing of the small things. The consistent involvement in the small compromises will ultimately lead, ultimately lead to the big public moral failures. Look at it as if a stone is slowly being chipped away. If you're wanting to you know, break your way out of a prison, you're not going to do it with a wrecking ball. You're going to do it with a spoon. Spoon. I don't even know if people still break out of prisons with spoons, but you know what I'm saying? I watched MacGyver before and they broke out with a spoon. Like, you know, it, it, it's a small chipping away of your moral fabric. Okay. That's what compromise is. Compromise is, is when Satan says, just, it's okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a thought. How many ministers, how many adulterers, how many uh, affairs have started with the excuse? It's only a thought. Think about that. How many divorces ended with, it's only a text. How many ministers have had to step down because they said, well, I know this money isn't necessarily for this, but you know, I, I'll, I'll just use this a little bit and I'll kind of fill it back in. No, 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 no. We are called to live above reproach in every area of our lives. Okay. Um, so I, I want to, I want to give you just three quick things that, that, that we can do to protect ourselves. I'm going to post those 19 things up on my Instagram. So keep an eye out for them. Uh, I'm going to tag Gabriel Finocchio in them as well. Um, but, uh, out of those 19 things, I, I feel like there's three things that really stuck out to me. Um, number one, we have to do this. We have to stay near to the Lord whenever we find ourselves. And he talks about this deifying the ministry. Whenever we find, I know for me personally, and I speak from transparency, I, whenever I find my tank getting low, meaning whenever I am working so hard that I begin to neglect personal prayer and personal study and my personal fire for God, that's a dangerous place. That's where, that's where, in, that's where Satan will strike ground level. When he realizes that, you know, when you find yourself starting getting edgy and you're starting to be sharp with your kids and you're starting to be sharp with those around you and you're starting to, um, you know, give people the finger when you're driving down the road. You know what I'm saying? Like when things like that happen, that's an indicator. My, I'm not walking in the spirit. Okay. Above all, and this is what's been burning in me so much. I want to stay close to Jesus. I want to stay near to him. At what point did Judas Iscariot start distancing himself from Christ. I believe it was seen in John 12. It was an indicator when Mary broke her box on the feet of Jesus and Judas said, had this not, would it not been better if this not had been sold and given to the poor? When he was irked by that, rather than saying, no, 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 Jesus, you're worthy of it all. I believe that was an indicator. When, when, when the presence of Christ loses its value in our lives, we get into a dangerous place. 
Let's stay near to the Lord. As a generation, let's not be the ones who are known by our preaching. Let's be the ones known by our prayer lives. Let's be the one knows by our devotional life. Let's dive into the Bible. Let's read it and 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 read it. Let's let it consume us. Number two, do not trust the flesh. Do not trust the flesh. The flesh, the Bible says, in our flesh, nothing good dwells. Romans 8 says, those who walk in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is is a deceiver. The flesh does will, will do whatever it, it, it can in your life to make you stumble and to have you take the easy way out. And, and it will try to deceive you into getting into that place, that dangerous place in your life where you are willing to trade everything God's given you for a momentary moment of pleasure. It's the stop at Krispy Kreme on the way home after the gym. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the, it's just one bite right now. You know what I'm saying? That sounds a lot of like an incident that happened in a garden. Is it, oh, you know, God didn't really say that. Uh, you know, just, just one bite, just, just, just take one taste of it. Just, you know, respond a little flirty to that coworker. You know, it's, scroll a little bit slower on Instagram past those sides. You know, it's, 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 well, you used to change it when, when a sex scene would come on. Well, you know, just kind of like, it's okay as long as I don't act out on it. No, 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 no. Flesh will do whatever. Flesh has one goal, pleasure, period. Flesh has one goal, pleasure. Flesh will tell you sleep in. Flesh will tell you eat bad. Flesh will tell you to lust. Flesh will tell you to flirt with your coworker because it makes you feel good. Do not trust in the flesh. Crucify the flesh in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. The last one, stay open. Stay open. And I I, I felt such a challenge because Lexi and I were sitting on the couch together after a couple weeks ago when the news came out about the, the pastor who had a moral failure. And I just, I told Lexi, I said, I'm texting Pastor Aaron right now, and I'm telling him I want to meet more, and you have an open door in my life to speak into whatever area, whatever blind spot you see. I want you to know that you have an open door. And I feel like it's important, number one, for you to have someone in your life who you can do that with. Number one, tell them, give them permission. Why? Because if there's a no trespassing sign, we're gonna your leaders in your life are going to take heed of those. If you have walls put up, they're not going to try to scale those walls all the time, okay? It's your responsibility to say, hey, you have a voice in my life, and no matter what you tell me, I'm not going to get offended. And at the same time, you pursuing them and you saying, hey, what can I do better? What can I work on? Well, I, I'm, I'm struggling with my thoughts. I, I'm struggling in this area. I'm, I'm, I, I need to, you know, my marriage isn't as strong as it needs to be, and I need that. You know, be open. Be open, be open, be open. Why? Because sin grows in the darkness. Sin grows in the darkness. And when if if there's a level of compromise increasing in your life, it's because it's hidden. Amen? It's because it's hidden. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, what does First John say? We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So let's live in the light. And my prayer for us as a millennial generation, as a young ministers, is that we live a life of reproach. We live a life of holiness. We live a life of consecration. Why? So that we can glorify God. We can glorify God and that by people looking at our life, they 
will shift their eyes to Jesus and say, this is who Jesus really is. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Minister Podcast. Pray this blesses you. Um, I'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, feel free to hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I pray that these podcasts encourage you though. Next week, I'll be back and um, God bless you. Thank you for listening. I'll be here every Friday. I'm posting new episodes every Friday, first thing in the morning. So keep your eyes open. God bless you guys. Have a good one.